0: Hey everyone, welcome to Amea Sway. If you want to find a seat at a table, um, anywhere is fine. Any open seat, and we're going to get started um, on this um, Sunday after Ascension Day officially. Just coming in and you want if you want to find a seat and uh, get settled we 'll get started here pretty soon, unlike our kind of normal potlucks at a Way, we will not leave you hanging looking at food for most of the service you 'll actually get to eat pretty soon here um, after I stop talking. Um, welcome to a Way. my name's Amy and i 'm one of our pastors here um, this is a kind of One of our non-musical nights Kind of unconventional night But I'm super excited because we're going to get a chance To hear from all of our missional partnerships Tonight, Um, get to hear What's going on and um, some updates Um, So I'm really looking forward to that um, if you are new to a Way or want to get more involved, um, there are several ways you can do that. There, we have several home groups that meet throughout the week that actually look a lot like this. Uh, a lot of people gathering around a meal, um, sharing life, things like that. Um, we also have a pub group that meets on Thursday nights. Um, and you can contact uh, Dan Rhodes about that if you want to get on that, um, that email list as well. Um, before we start tonight, I wanted to say a few things I apologize tonight if you expected when you walked in that you were going to get a carnation or, you know, have to stand up if you're a mom. Um, Kind of proudly, we do Mother's Day and kind of all of those different holidays, kind of different at a nice way. Um, not because we don't think mothers are amazing, and not because we don't think fathers are amazing, or teachers, or whoever it is that we're celebrating. Um, but because we, we frame the family of God in a different way. Um, as we gather together every week, we become a different type of family. Um, we mother and father each other's children. We learn, um, you know, what it means to be family in a very different way. Um, we talked about that a little bit last week with when I led a... Um, dialogue on homemaking, um, and I realized after we kind of left the dialogue, there were some things that, that I wanted to say that we didn't get to say, which is usually the case out of May's way. There's, there's always more we could talk about. But um, tonight, I want to celebrate a different kind of family, um, and that's the family that they gather around the common table. And so we're actually going to, um, I'm going to invite you after I pray for us to, we're going to start our meal kind of now. So after I pray, you'll, I'll dismiss you, you'll go grab a plate, and then around, I think we're going to say 5.30, is that right? Josh, we're going to, around then we're going to um, start our sharing. So um, by that point, if you want to have a plate and sit down, that would be wonderful. So let me pray for us tonight on this seventh Sunday of Easter. Oh God, the King of glory, you have exalted your only Son, Jesus Christ, with great triumph to your kingdom in heaven, do not leave us comfortless, but send us your Holy Spirit to strengthen us, and exalt us to that place where our Savior Christ has gone before, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God in glory everlasting. Amen. So welcome to Maceway. Welcome to the table. Feel free to get a plate, get some drinks, um, and we'll gather in about 20 minutes.
1: Hey, everybody. Please continue eating and... um Getting food and all those things, as most of you know, most of you are uh, Emmaus Way veterans. We are very casual here in terms of uh, our movements and what we're doing. And we see movement and social encounters a significant part of uh, kind of living out the kingdom of God. But tonight, um, one of the things besides kind of a a Eucharistic feast uh, this evening, one of the things that we wanted to do is take a night. uh, And by the way, uh, I should say this before I do that. uh, I had to run out real fast. How, how many, did we have anybody that graduated like this weekend? I know we have oh, Sir Travis Green who we're going to be talking about like we're actually going to be ordaining Travis next week, uh, weekend in the service. You guys know to be ordained at Emmaus Way, you have to be able to do either one miracle before ordination or during the gathering. So we look forward to that, Travis. Uh, uh, we, we know you got it in you, bud. But uh, uh, exactly. That's right. Jim Thomas is requesting wine. Uh, that's, uh, that's perfect. <laughs> that's actually, you know, it's biblical. Uh, you know, we, we'll take that. But we're really looking forward to that next week, Travis. And, and it's actually, sadly, it will it's, uh, be Amy and Travis's farewell. Amy's been on our, uh, a pastor here for over three years now. And uh, these guys are, are heading to, back to Florida. So we'll, we'll talk more about that next weekend. Uh, but we're looking forward to that as well. Um, one of the things that was another um, graduate. Oh, oh! Who was the other grad? Jesse and Jeff. Oh, there we go. Nice, nice. Uh, congratulations! I've actually been doing the whole uh, post-semester sick all week, so I'm really pleased that I know my name right now, but uh, congrats, Jesse. Um, Oh, nice. Did you get one of the the hats? Uh, You know, my my neighbor is the department chair at UNC, I think, in linguistics, and he came in with a mortarboard, and the very first thing Mimi said is, when PhD comes your way, I want you to have one of the hat things. (laughs) I think that's kind of school related, but Congratulations. Fantastic. Uh, well, we know this weekend, this is a really bad weekend to go into like a Target or uh, just to pop into a restaurant and say, hey, I'm gonna, and it's actually a wonderful weekend just to stay alive driving. I've, I've only had like five U-turns done in front of me at full speed in the last uh, 48 hours. It's, it's a wild time here in Durham and uh, in Chapel Hill. But anyway, one of the things that, that's Important to us as a community, just one backdrop to this is when Emmaus way was beginning um, in, in conversation uh, in around two thousand and four two thousand and five, one of the things that we we weren 't even sure we wanted to be a church at first, um, but one of the things that um, we uh, wanted to do and struggle with was how could we live missionally in a manner that doing church didn 't get in the way of that, and that was uh, really probably our most original collective imagination is what would it be like to form a community that uh, kind of missional engagement uh, living kind of a, uh, the gospel as it, as it lives in this community. How can we do that? And so we, we, we spent a lot of time trying to figure out how can we minimize church to the point that that could be a reality. The other thing we wanted to do is we wanted the mission of our community to to be organically expressed. We wanted it to be things that were passions that came out of our community rather than in some way maybe me having an idea and saying, hey, we should do this surely there's somebody here that would go and do that, right? Uh, we wanted to do the opposite. We really wanted uh, the idea of uh, things that we were passionate about to be the things that this community does. We say this every week, that our community changes as a dialogical community every time someone new comes into this community. They, they bring passions, they bring interest, they bring things that, uh, that, that shape our lives. And so, one of the things that we've been doing this year in our worship gatherings is working much harder to profile our missional partnerships and we have five now, but we want you to hear about them because we never want you to think that these are static relationships or static entities. Uh, these are communities that are changing. Uh, Jim Thomas gave a a quick update a couple uh, weeks ago in Africa rising, but these are communities that are living, breathing organic communities like ours as well. And so tonight what we wanted to do is just have an evening around a meal and to hear, uh, updates from our missional partnerships, uh, these are all things that many of us are, are deeply engaged in, and our lives are excited about their progress and, and, and engaged with them and their frustrations as well. Um, so tonight, I think we're going to start with uh, our friend Yvonne Para and Dan Rhodes is going to come forward. Yvonne is um, the chief organizer for Durham CAN, which you guys know is uh, uh, Congregations, Associations, and Neighborhoods, and Dan will can give us the backdrop on um, on who CAN is, and then, uh, and then we want to hear from Yvonne. Thank you. Double microphones here. I'll give this one back to you.
2: This one hot? Mm-hmm. All right. um, so this is my friend Yvonne Para, and he is the lead organizer for Durham Can. For those of you that don't know what Durham Can is, um, think about it this way. So a lot of us live our lives kind of in an individualized uh, culture where you're told as a person, hey, You know, things might be rough or they might be great, but the reality for you is you either got to work harder or try to change your own circumstances on your own. Um, And a lot of what gets left out is the way in which our lives are intermingled with one another, the way in which uh, they overlap with one another, about uh, the whole community existence that we live in in this city um, and uh, in the cities in the Triangle area and kind of the way around the area around us. Um, And Iban and uh, what community organizing does or what Durham Can does is – Work within the city and within this local area to build community connections, to organize people, to come together to work on issues uh, and to work on, uh, we we don't usually use the the word problems because that sometimes is way too large, but to work on things that people face in order to create a more just society. Um, And so that's kind of what community organizing does. CAN stands for Congregations, Associations, and Neighborhoods, and it's a group of, uh, of people who are organized and bringing themselves together to kind of work on a lot of the issues that our community faces, whether those be education, uh, living wage, um, transportation, uh, zoning laws, different things like that, to try to kind of uh, take what we see as the gospel, the way in which God desires the world to be, and to find ways of working together to chase that, uh, to, to say, hey, the way that things are is not the way that they're supposed to be, and working together, can we not... Uh, find a way to, to form and to create and to work with uh, one another to create a more just society. So Yvonne agreed to come and is going to talk a little bit, kind of uh, filling us in on, uh, on who CAN is and some of the things that they've done in the past and also kind of the current work that's going on. So I think maybe starting off would be great to hear. CAN's been around for a little while, uh, and what are some of the things that uh, we've worked on in the past
3: uh, and accomplished? Good afternoon, um, Ivan Parra, as he said. Um, I'm from the deep south from Colombia, so I have a, a, a heavy accent, and uh, so bear with me as, as, as I give you this information. Uh, Duroncan Can has been in existence for about 13 years. It is started as a, as a project of local clergy that saw an opportunity of different congregations working together to change things that were not right, as Dan was saying, And uh, it's been a very successful uh, 12, 13 years of community organizing together. Can brings together people that often don't relate to one another because they're different communities that we live in. So uh, whether uh, the place where people worship or where they live or the color of the skin or their political views can try to bring together all those groups. And in, in the last 13 years, we have been successful in... Uh, uh, I'm going to give some of the highlights. Uh, living wages is something that has been very important to our organization. And we have been able to persuade the city, the county, the schools, and Duke University to pay living wages to more than 4,000 workers in this, in this community by utilizing the power of people coming together and presenting a proposal to decision-makers. Congregations uh, have also worked on education. We uh, uh, audited the conditions of all the buildings in the public school system. Each congregation took a couple of buildings, and we presented about 2,000 items in this repair to the school superintendent and the school board. And uh, to our satisfaction, those items have been uh, repaired and replaced. One interesting story is that before we were having a meeting with about 400 people at one of the schools where the principal begged us to please have the meeting there because uh, it was so hot inside the gym that the children would have to go do the physical education class outside because it was cooler. And uh, the day of the meeting again with close to 400 people and the entire school board, we walk into the school and we realize that there was a new, uh, brand new air conditioning system that they just had installed because 400 people were coming to that meeting. So that's the power of bringing people together to uh, change those those type of conditions. We have walked through neighborhoods, documented uh, items in this repair, brought... uh, about 1,800 items in this repair to the city manager and uh, got about 95% of the items back uh, in a report that they gave at a later assembly. One of the um, issues that make us more proud, and I'll stop. We have a list of, of things uh, that we have been able to accomplish, but uh, we were able to convince uh, Duke Health System to work with the uh, county of Durham, with the county commissioners, to create a project for uh, low income, indigent care. So uh, most people that don't have insurance either go to the emergency room or they go to Lincoln Health Center, but if they need a specialty care, they're unable to get any any kind of uh, additional services because they, they cannot afford it. And uh, we utilize the power of 500 people coming together to convince Duke to let their doctors volunteer in the community and cover them with their insurance and have each of the county commissioners commit to uh, $400,000 to create something that is called Project Access that now serves 3,000 people with free donated care that otherwise they wouldn't be able to get. There's other examples of things that we have been able to do, but I'll stop now because he's just giving me the...
2: (laughs) No, no, no. That's. I mean, I think one of the things that I really love about Can. I mean, there are many things I love about Can, but uh, one of the things that I really love about Can is that a lot of times I think there are, are, when we think of politics, we typically think a low-information voter, you watch a couple commercials, you go to the polls, and you check a box, and that's kind of what your duty as a kind of voting citizen is. Uh, and the problem with that is that, that that's... You don't learn anything that way, and not only do you not learn anything, but also the one thing that's uh, that's remarkable that can does, I think, is it avoids the type of cynicism and just uh, kind of uh, fear and and uh, kind of hopelessness that that culture creates. And the one thing that I love about can about the work of doing it, and I'll frame it theologically for you, uh, is that it, it is an act of hopefulness that God is at work in our community already, and that as working together. With people that, that God allows us to participate in what God is, is doing in our community. So uh, it's an act, really, of hopefulness that avoids the type of kind of uh, just cynical, kind of depressive pol- political action that you normally think of when you think of politics. Um, so maybe what we can do now, kind of in closing, is just kind of give the community... We just had a large uh, delegates' assembly last week, um, and right prior to that, we had a long... Um, series of house meetings where we gathered information from the communities that are part of Durham Can uh, and we settled on some of the issues that we're going to be working on or that we're currently working on right now and we will be working on going forward. So maybe if you could just tell us kind of what's going on and then maybe how people could really uh, get involved, what they might think about doing as, uh, in their next steps.
3: Sure. We're at uh, that very interesting moment in the organizing cycle where we're finishing up some campaigns that we started in the last couple of years, and we're beginning a number of new ones. So this is a really good moment for folks that are interested in trying to connect with this work. I'll say briefly what we're just finishing up, uh, because I think it's going to have an impact on, on all of us. Uh, you probably have heard of the uh, late uh, light rail devel- de- uh, development that is going to connect Orange County... Durham County and hopefully Wake County, if the politicians there decide to support that that kind of uh, transit. Uh, but the members of the Chamber of Commerce came to Durham-CAN and asked us to please help them pass the transit referendum. Uh, they were at that time uh, needing people to support that, and we said... We'll and if you
2: don't know what a referendum is, basically like a tax so that we could build out the, the railway system.
3: Right. And... Uh, we saw an opportunity to get more jobs for people in Durham County uh, because there's going to be about three thousand jobs that will be direct jobs created by the construction of the light rail development and about nine thousand in the in the entire triangle and uh, We also saw an opportunity to um, connect that with affordable housing. Um, you may not know that the policies that are in place by the city of Durham and the county of Durham have produced uh, zero affordable housing in the last five years because they allowed uh, developers to, um, you know, in a voluntary basis decide how much affordable housing they're going to build in the community. And it's much more um, expensive and complicated to do that. And so we're um, Working to try to get the, uh, the city and the county to tweak the zoning incentives. Uh, we're trying to get, we're in a negotiation with Triangle Transit Authority to make sure that they pay a living wage for the jobs that will be created through the development. And we're pressuring the city and the county to do a, a planning, kind of a land use plan process to make sure that they utilize the leverage that they have to build affordable housing. So if we're successful with that, there would be more affordable housing, there would be jobs for Durham residents, and not only any jobs, but we're uh, aiming for $12.50 as the kind of the low wage, and if we're successful with that, you'll be hearing about it. And uh, out of the listening sessions, we talked to about 2,015 people in Durham County, and we came up with about seven priorities that we would be trying to turn into specific um, campaigns that we're going to advance. Some of those related to healthcare, to education, to employment, to neighborhoods, um, to uh, immigrant families in this community. So we would love your involvement. You don't. Uh, you're not required to have lots of experience. You don't have to be a politician to participate in our organization. We train you and we provide you with the skills to work with people from other congregations to uh, decipher very creative and specific solutions to problems that are impacting a lot of people. And again, we utilize the connections that we have with lots of members from congregations to get the elected officials or the private leaders in this community to see the opportunity to do good. And oftentimes when they walk into a meeting and they see 500 people, they see Christ and, you know, they all of a sudden they just change their mind about things that they were not supporting before. They start believing in and they, they help uh, the folks that, that we work with and we work for. So that's it
2: wonderful so some wonderful stuff going on we'll be praying and we'll, there's a prayers of the people time at the end we'll be praying for all of our missional partner uh, par, uh, partnerships but uh, in, in just in closing just a sense of one of the things that's the invitation stands open to is that in involving yourself in can you actually really do learn a lot about the community that you live in. You learn a lot about uh, kind of the, the neighborhoods, the pockets, uh, the issues that we as a community face. You learn kind of how the process works of how you know the city itself runs and how the county itself runs and what issues fall where. And so it's a really it, you really learn quite a bit. And you don't have to have all that knowledge to begin, but it's something that really you begin to to work on. And you find hey, we actually do have some of the resources and tools if if we organize ourselves to actually kind of begin to f- to create the type of community we want to live in um, and if we neglect that I really do think we neglect a large part of the gospel so thank you Yvonne for uh, joining you. us and for being with us and I think now I'm going to pass the mic on to Jim Thomas to talk about Africa Rising and uh, what is going on there Dan while Jim has arranged himself just a quick thing on Dan Strategy
1: Team and I good chunk
4: of people here
5: that are some working them, so. Thanks, Dan. Um, so a, a couple of weeks ago, I was here in front of you all, and I um, came a, in a time of crisis in Africa Rising and told you that we had pulled the plug on, on what we were doing. I want to, um, before I tell you what has happened since then and where, where we are going, because it's not over, um, I want to take a step back for those of you who don't know what was said then or why it was said. So I'm going to go backwards first, and then, then we'll go forwards. The backwards first is um, starting by saying, I realized just tonight in a conversation at our table that I've been working in Africa for 35 years. And in that time, I have come to see some patterns of interaction between Africa and the West that I find really troubling and disturbing, and have they've, they've bothered me for some time. Um, and I've been looking for alternative ways to interact. One of those ways is actually here present tonight. Uh, Kiama Mugambi uh, is coming from Muvono, M- M- I'm sorry, Muvuno, Muvuno Church. Used to be, a is an offspring of Nairobi Chapel, and um, Kiyama, uh, When I was um, at the Bible Church, and the pastor of the Bible Church is here tonight, Jay Thomas over there in the in the checkered shirt, um, uh, is here tonight. When I was at the Bible Church, um, invite I invited Kiyama to come to the church for a year, and we spent a year of Fridays about sometimes two, three hours, every Friday, Cam and I were talking about African-Western partnerships and how they could be different. Some years after that, um, I began Africa Rising as an attempt to do something different, uh, to to create a new way of of Westerners interacting with Africans. And um, the thing that I was reacting against was the... um, the way that the West typically gets involved in much of Africa is to come with answers, to come with technology, to say this is the way things are going to be done. And, and then they also come with money. And so the Africans begin to look to others for answers and for money and not looking to themselves for, for how they can grow and, and their, their own solutions. So Africa Rising was an attempt to enable Africans to to look within themselves and to each other's to grow and learning from each other, um, African organizations teaching each other. So we formed an organization. We formed a board. Jenny Nicholson has been on that board from day one, has been <coughs> instrumental, has um, traveled with me. I have to tell you, this is a non sequitur. Just looking at Jenny, I just remember... It's coming, Jenny. (laughs) Jenny, I have a quote from Jenny stuck in my head. When we were on safari... Do you know what this is? (laughs) We were walking through a... It was a big hotel, but it was outside. And there was a fence, tall fence. Think... think, uh, Jurassic Park uh, so there's this tall fence around us and there are lions roaring outside and Jenny stopped <laughs> and and she said in her Elmer Fudd voice she said very scary and, and, <laughs> and it was I mean if you didn't know that fence was there um, so Africa Rising was an attempt to to find African run organizations and network them together Um, The first ones grew out of relationships uh, with churches. And um, we learned very quickly how the Africans had the best answers for each other. One example was when um, one of the organizations was way up north in Uganda. These were girls that had been captured by the Lord's Resistance Army, had been held for years as sex slaves, had come back with children. Some Some of them had escaped. And we um, were trying to piece their lives back together. And the people of their communities didn't want to hear their stories. They, I guess they had been so traumatized, but it was just um, they, were, they were deaf to the stories of these girls. The girls could talk to each other, but that's where it ended. Well, we brought together some folks from Nairobi Chapel... Uh, in, obviously, Nairobi, uh, a church. And they came together and had a retreat with these girls from Uganda. They came down, they all met in Kampala. And the, the girls from Uganda talked about how this was the first chance they had to tell their stories with people who were on the edges of their seat, just listening, listening in to hearing them and, and praying with them over the experiences that they had had, and how transformative it was for those girls. Well, we, we had many of these experiences over the eight years of Africa Rising, but we found that because we were not doing a direct service, we were not feeding babies, we were not holding children, we were not sponsoring children, um, that funders, donors, churches, the rest weren't interested. We were standing one step behind the organizations that were doing that, and we were building them up, building up the African organizations so that they could not just survive, but thrive, and change the worlds around them. But that's an indirect service, which we found was very hard to fund. And to now jump to that point a couple of weeks ago, we decided, the board, Jenny among them, that what we were doing was not economically sustainable. And because it wasn't sustainable, it wasn't scalable. It wasn't replicable. And our goal was not just to create an organization. Our goal has been to create a movement. This was not going to be a movement. We We did show how Africans could be answers for each other, but not in a way that could be multiplied. So we pulled the plug. And it was very hard. Um, it was very hard for me to tell you all this. Uh, much of my identity has been tied up in Africa Rising. My email address, many of you know, has Africa Rising in it. Um, and um, I felt like a failure. Felt that um, you know I had tried something and had not succeeded. And, and uh, felt like a fool for trying so long. Maybe I should have stopped earlier. But you all have been so gracious to me. The, um, the hugs that I got the night that I shared that. The emails that I have gotten. The conversations that I've had. Andrew, where's Andrew Renz? Here's Andrew. Andrew um, emailed me and we got together and had a long conversation just the other night. Um, so you all have, have allowed me to hold my head up and to continue on. The way that we are continuing on is I refer now to Africa Rising 2.0. We're going to try a different approach. It's going to be very different. Um, it's going to be market-based so that it sustains itself. This is assuming it works, folks. Um, th- this, is, this, is <laughs> this is all right here. <laughs> um, It's going to be more market-based. It's going to be more internet-based. Think LinkedIn, but for African entrepreneurs, uh, social entrepreneurs um, that can find each other and support each other and um, could propose um, activities on... It's not Kickstart, um, but there are other networks, uh, sites where you can propose an activity and people will choose to fund it or not. Global giving, is that it? Um, And we will uh, sometimes, in in who we get to know, suggest some that get together. But um, it's it's going to be something that is more along the lines of social networking that um, may not work or it may work. The phase that I'm in right now is exploration, and that should last for a year. Um, I don't want to start anything before having really fully looked into this. Um, I've got people around here that I know that uh, do social networking. Kiama has mentioned somebody that, that I could meet in Nairobi who could in turn introduce me to others. I've got a lot of conversations to have, and some of them are with you. This is where I need you. I need you to test me and test my ideas. I have no interest and going down another dead end. So I I really need you to be skeptics. At the same time, I need you to be encouragers to help us sort through what we are doing. So African Rising is not over. We're in a reinvention stage. We we maintain that same mission, that same desire, to have an alternative to this, this model that is so dominant. Um, Kiama could could talk about it at some length, and in fact, when I when I spoke with Kiama uh, yesterday, was it just yesterday, Kiama, that we had lunch? Um, Kiama was talking about changes that had been taking place in East Africa, except for the NGOs, the non-government organizations, the the community-based organizations, and the way that they seek funding, the way they survive. That model is so deeply, deeply entrenched. It's a very very paternalistic model and we're going to create an alternative we're going to create an alternative if if we just keep trying so I want to thank you for encouraging me and thank you for staying in prayer staying in conversation thank you
4: yes
0: thank you Jim I'm going to invite um, Julie DeCanto to come up um, with me and do a little conversation about reality ministries. I think we're going to actually start our time
6: start
0: by, yeah, by, um, this is a, a video that our friends, Philip and Mackenzie at Inkspot Crow Films did, um, several years ago. So we'll watch that to, to start us off.
7: There's a lot of joy
0: in this building
7: in every different thing that goes on here from TNL to after school to New Horizons, games in the gym. There's a lot of joy.
6: I would say that Reality Ministries is really driven by the theological belief that everyone belongs to God. That's why we have the big banner down in the big room that says, I am for you, because we want every single person that walks into the Reality Center to know that God is saying, I am for you. I am not against you. You're not on the outside looking in. You belong. So cheer up
4: my brothers Live in the sunshine We'll understand this All by and by Tempted.
6: Why the name Reality Ministries? Some people think it's because it's a way that we show love and care for those who are dealing with the harsh and brutal realities of life. That's not actually the reason I called it Reality Ministries, because in a way that caters to an understanding of reality that I think is a little bit backwards. I think that reality, ultimately speaking, is beautiful. It's not harsh. It's not brutal. Deep down, underneath everything that is, I believe, is reality with a capital R. We want people to know that the deepest reality of life is the kingdom of God, and the way we discover that is through Jesus Christ, who is, in my mind, reality personified.
0: Yeah, you can be yourself. You don't have to hide away. Some of my favorite things are, like, the homework room. It's um, where you go the tutors help you with your homework and when i come here the tutors they explain it well to me to the point of where i can understand it more
7: reality offers. A space that is holy, a space that is that honors people, and a space that opens up possibilities for family and growth and learning. They can open up and they can be themselves more and they have room to ask questions and they have room to just share life with people in ways that they wouldn't otherwise.
5: We did have a parent meeting some time ago for parents of teenagers who were involved with the disabilities ministry. And one of the dads said, we love reality because we're so thankful for our son to have a place where he's not apart from everything, but where he's a part of something. The more we spent time getting to know those people on the margins, the more we realized that's the heart of God.
1: Hi, my name is Sloan. I am 23 years old. I have made so many friends here at Reality Ministries. It's
0: so nice to know that we have this place to come to as a social home. I don't know what we would do without it. I really don't.
2: If I get a message from Susan that something is happening, I will be there.
4: And one day when Rolls
8: back on us Some rejoice in the others fuss Cause every knee must bow and tongue confess The son of God, is forever blessed His is the kingdom and we're the guests So put your voice up to the test Sing,
2: Lord, come soon
6: oh. I'm finding new horizons and Coach D was like on a on to-do list for me This school is concerned about the well-being of the student I come here three days a week and teach a, a character development class. This is my second year doing that. I like New Horizon because
9: it's like more family-oriented. I feel more comfortable because it's like sisters and brothers. So
7: tell us a little about Hifty.
9: Oh, that's like a second mom. She keeps it real. She doesn't play around. If you're messing up, she's going to tell you you're messing up. But if you're doing good, she's going to tell you you're doing good. There wasn't no other ways to describe it. I love New Horizons. It's just the best place for me. Oh, my.
6: just getting started I feel like the sky's the limit we have a great platform I think from which to jump off in all kinds of different directions and stay within our mission if we keep doing things the way we're doing them it seems like God keeps bringing people to our doorstep
5: being a part of reality it's just shown me that the heart of God is I am for you no matter what That God is for us not in spite of those things right in the middle of it,
0: and that's where he lives. Like I mentioned, um, Julie is one of our main contacts here at Reality. She is their admin, kind of guru of everything, um, keeps them organized and running. Um, and this video was shot about two... It was, it was two years two ago. Two years yeah, ago. it was
7: for a fundraiser we did in 2011. But what's interesting, I told Amy when she was like, can we show the video? I was thinking... Gosh, two years ago, it's probably pretty dated. Mm. But as I'm look, as I was watching, every single one of those kids is still, still very mm-hmm. much a part of reality. And awesome. there's and Benny, the guy who's talking about New Horizons, is actually graduating the end of this year, which is like the biggest deal ever. That's with awesome. thinking through it, so it's actually very relevant to today. So well,
0: it seems yeah, like.
7: Some changes, but right.
0: It seems like the type of place where the spirit kind of remains the same, even if maybe the programs are changing on a yearly basis or things like that. But kind of the spirit of what reality represents and um, kind of their goal. Like I think Jeff said in the video, we can do you know all these different things, um, and and people keep showing up at our doorstep. So um, I was good. That's a good segue. I was going to ask you so. Give us an update. How are things at Reality changing from what we yeah, might have seen in the video? Um,
7: the big change that we're going through right now is um, July 1, the school, New Horizons, is actually moving out of this building and this space, and they're going to be their own nonprofit, and they're going to be a school that's K through 12. So instead of just being a high school, kind of right now the school has this, um, like, this is your last chance to graduate type of mentality but now we're trying to get kids from kindergarten and give them opportunity you know for their whole their whole life instead of their high school years so so the big change is that new horizons will be moving on their own and we are you know sending them off with a lot of Hope and joy. It's not this, you know, negative transition by any means. It's more of they're growing. This will be great for them. This will be great for us. We'll have more space, and we'll be able to kind of grow. Um, You know, like I said, the kids are... They're not kids. The participants that come here never leave. They, They live here, and they graduate high school, and then they become an adult, a part of our program. And, you know, we just we don't have the traditional transitions of participants. They just stay here. And so whenever I think about, like, what's going on at Reality, I mean, the word that keeps coming to mind is kinship. I mean, we are a community of people who look very different and see each other as brothers and sisters. And, the you know, every year that passes, you just growing relationship with these people where you don't, you don't, you start to, the margins that exist between you just start to disappear and you just start to see people for, you know, what they're able to do instead of what they're not able to do. And, um, it's just really beautiful and amazing to be a part of it.
0: And, um, I think one of the most amazing things we're as as we use this space on Sundays is just to see kind of the mark to, that reality has on this building, whether it's pictures in the classrooms or kind of like you can see like games that our kids have played in the classrooms or the the lessons in the computer, like it's just there's all these marks of where you know the Holy Spirit is working. and I think that's that's just amazing that we get to share it. we don't we don't come into this blank space. We come into a place that's really full of life um, and get to be a part of that. so, so as the, the, the school is moving out, what is going to take that place? Is there going to be a yeah, focus? Um, definitely. So we're,
7: we're going to kind of put most of our energy into our Real Friends, which is our ministry for people with cognitive disabilities. And um, there's a lot, like, we, we don't advertise. We don't tell people about our programs. It's just total word of mouth. People just show up. And so with with this idea that we can expand a little bit, we can start inviting different schools and different classrooms, and and that's a huge deal because we feel like finally we can grow even bigger, which is awesome. Um, And then another thing that kind of a little bit of my job is changing, too, um, I'm starting what we call reality works, which as we have gotten to know our friends, we've realized they really need job skills and they need, um, they they don't always have things to do during the middle of the day on a Monday or Tuesday. And so this idea of providing opportunities for them to work and um, and then hopefully, you know, it might bring in some income for us, but it's definitely more about the process of working and creating something together. So our first kind of pilot project this summer is we're going to be making candles out of recycled mugs. And um, so I'm sure you guys will be, um, you know, getting uh, an opportunity to purchase a RealityWorks candle at <laughs> some moment. Um, but that's, that's going to start. And then we've also, this year, we've had um, five of our participants um, on our custodial staff. And so they're the ones who... Um, keep our building looking neat and tidy and so that's been an amazing um, opportunity to give to our friends and we just hope to
0: expand that well like dan said we're going to have an opportunity to pray at the end for all of our partnerships but are there particular places um either that we can step into you know whether that's uh, in person in prayer um are there places sure. that we can? yes
7: we always welcome volunteers and um I mean, we want, because we do believe in this kinship model, we we want our volunteers to show up every week. So if that's something you want to do, we'd love for you to come and join us and be part of that program. But if you're not able to do that, some other ways... This building looks nice and shiny on Sundays, but it's actually falling apart in a lot of ways. And you might notice these scones up here could use replacing, and we could use a nice paint job in here. I mean, there's a lot of building work that gets overlooked, and honestly, we just don't have the money to do a lot. So any type of labor you'd like to you know, put some labor of love into this building, we would take it. And um, we are just we're hoping we also are praying for new horizons and that they'll successfully transition and so those are kind of the big things to... yeah, that just
0: means that some good basketball has been played Yes, in here <laughs> yeah,
7: or... <definitely>. another <laughs> another big thing if you want to participate um we eat a lot of meals together. Um, we eat pizza every Tuesday night, and we welcome a change of food. <laughs> if, if you, um, and then we also um, have an event, past the Peas, where we sit down again and eat, um, and we need volunteers to help prepare the food. Um, and so there are some like kind of one-time events. We have a day camp coming up um, this summer, and... Um, If you want to grab, you know, five people and uh, make lunch for the group, that's wonderful. There's lots of, I mean, that's one thing I love about this place is if you have an idea of how you want to serve us, we'll probably take it. So just, like, feel free to dream about what you think would be great for this place, and we'll listen to your idea.
0: Well, we're excited about the changes at Reality. We're excited to kind of be a part of that, and look forward to to kind of hearing more as, as things progress. Yeah. Thanks, Julie. I'm going to invite uh, Ben to come up now and give us an update and talk a little bit about CWS.
4: Thanks, Amy. Uh, So I just want to talk a little bit about maybe our newest partnership. Something came out of our listening sessions a while back. A number of people mentioned interest in working with refugees. And so that's something that we've taken on. We've taken on this partnership with Church World Service, or CWS, um, and just give you a quick idea of who they are and what, how I've been involved with them, and maybe suggest some ways that that could fit into your life if you if you're looking for a way to volunteer with refugees. Um, Church World Service is one of 14 private national agencies that are authorized by the U.S. government to assimilate refugees into the U.S. And so, about 70,000 refugees will come in. or a bit, That's the cap that Obama set for. Uh, fiscal year 2013, CWS RDU, the RDU branch, will see um, about two to three hundred refugees come into the area. Um, and refugee, as I learned, you know, through working with them, it's a status. It's defined by the UN um, as someone who's uh, has a well-founded fear of persecution for reasons of race, religion, nationality, political opinion our membership in a particular social group. So this is a process, often a long, years-long process that they have to go through, um, dealing with the UN and various government agencies, and then they're assigned to CWS. And CWS is the organization that meets them at the airport and transitions them through over a multi-month process into life in the U.S., housing, English language skills, job placement, job interviewing skills, figuring out how in the world to live in an entirely different culture and country. Um, And so CWS and its volunteers um, are are the people uh, sort of facilitating that process. Uh, Myself and Sarah Kate, um, who's not here tonight, but we've been conversation partners for a pair of Sudanese refugees, Mohammed and Ahmed, for the last uh, about six, eight weeks or so. Uh, And basically in that, we made a two- to four-month commitment to meet with them once a week for an hour or two and sort of talk about our lives, share about our cultures, and it gives them an opportunity to practice English and us an opportunity to learn about them. Uh, And just, I don't think I've ever had an experience at Emmaus Way or anywhere that resonated more strongly with the kind of things we talk about week to week, about this idea of, you know, God being at work in the world even when... We don't see it and the messiness of that and the incompleteness of it and how difficult it can be. And so I sit down with Mohammed and Ahmed and I hear their story. I see the the challenges they're having coming coming all the way across the world after having horrible experiences in their own country. And then hear and see what the barriers are to try and assimilate and and fit into a new culture. But at the same time, I get to be a part of of making that easier for them. And I get to, uh, you know... Commiserate with them about how weird American culture actually is (laughs) And hear their perspective on that and and I get to see that you know CWS is an organization and honestly like even some of these government Organizations that we would critique in so many ways that that they've made an opportunity For these people to find find a life that's much different But it's it's a place where they can have a hope in the future And so there's there's a long, long list of things that you can do with CWS. Low time commitment, high time commitment, schedule flexibility. They constantly need donations of things, household goods, furniture. They furnish apartments for the refugees that come in. Um, If you want to volunteer as an ESL class, volunteer. If you want to help them with job skills, be a conversation partner, um, any number of things. If you have an hour or two here and there or whatever. Um, and they're a an ex- wonderful organization to work with, extremely well-organized. Um, and if you're interested in that, uh, happy to talk to me. Sarah Kate would be a good person to talk to. I know Laura Chase has worked with them a good bit as well. And we'd be happy to sort of share our experience and um, point you to their volunteer coordinator and get you, get you set up that way.
8: All right, so uh, I want to talk... Uh, about our sort of final missional partnership for the evening. Um, And that's Antioch Builds Community, or ABC. Um, So this is a ministry that's sort of based at Antioch Baptist Church here in Durham. And one of the primary things that they do is a lot of work with people coming uh, out of incarceration and sort of re-transitioning into uh, uh, life in in, uh, society. And uh, one of the tremendous sort of joys and benefits of our work with ABC has been our opportunity to build a relationship with uh, Mr. Kenneth Askew. So, Kenneth, if you want to come on up here. um, I just want to introduce Kenneth to those of you who have not had the opportunity to work with him in the past. Uh, Kenneth is the reason why all of these chairs are set up and all the tables are set up and the sound equipment gets hauled out. And all of these types of things are uh, things that we're so grateful uh, for Kenneth um, that he, he does for us each week. Uh, it's really wonderful work, and he's a, a joy to work with each week. So uh, we appreciate that. Kenneth, if you, just, you can come over and sit down. Um, I, I would love for you just to tell us a little bit about yourself, sort of uh, how you came to Durham, uh, how you got hooked up with ABC, maybe how you got hooked up with Emmaus Way, and uh, give us a little bit of your, your story. Let me take this out of here. Okay. I
9: was born in New York. Um, my mother moved to North Carolina. I came down here, went to school, and everything. My grandmother was here. Um. I say, by the time I got around about sixteen, I had to get out of school. I got seven brothers and one sister. I was the oldest, so I did all the cooking, all the cleaning. You know, my family's kind of poor. And uh, I took care of them real good and everything. And I was out of school so long till I just started working. I didn't go back. I said, four years ago, I was working at Rotterdam Airport. I got a job in labor ready. They sent the to Rotterdam Airport. And um, I worked there for about three months. And the manager said, kid, if you're a good worker. I said, he said, you got anything else to do? I said, no. He said, well, I'm going to hire you permanent. I said, well, thank you, Jesus. Because I need a job like anybody else. So I got my uniform. I punched the clock. I went to work every day to this now day. My job was catering for the airlines. I was fixing hot food for Connelly, Northwest, southeast, and all the airlines. And so when I got the job, working in the kitchen, the manager told me, said, said, uh, Kenneth, uh, we love you, we like the way we work. And he hired me, and, and I worked. And so it was funny, because they sent other people from the TIP services. They had me training them, because I've been there a long time, about two years. So he learned me, trained me and everything and I worked. Had my own I got my had my own apartment, paid my bills, worked like everybody else. So um after that I got married. Met my first wife and everything and you know your first marriage you expected to be the best you could get. You know you love your wife and everything. So she had my son the first year. I was happy. Proud father, chest stuck out. I got a boy. I was so happy. I raised him up and got with his brother. The second year I found out I was going to work. I come home. The house won't clean. Nothing done. I said, where's my wife at? I don't work 12 hours. They already eat. Nothing cooked. Come to find out she was going for grandmother's house. Left. Stayed gone, left that Friday, she didn't come back to Sunday, so I was wondering where in the world she at? She got a boyfriend. seen another guy. And we ain't been married for a year and a half. So I paid the sister to take care of my boy. He's round about, I'd say about 12 months then, about a year. So I divorced her. Right after divorced her. Around the same time, I was with my brother going back to my mother's house. So, him and seven guys was finna go rob some places. And by me being ancient and young, I said, Can I go with you? He said, No, Kenna. I'm not gonna let you go with me. You get shot, I feel guilty. So, he messed around, all of them got caught. He got 40 years. Everybody else got from 50 years on up to 60 years. So I was proud of him for not letting me go. I wouldn't be here today probably if I didn't, you know, I probably got shot one day. be here. I thank God for that. See, God was with me all the time with I was raised up Baptist. I love the Lord. My grandmother had me in church, everything, you know. Then after she died, I met a second lady, and I stayed with her 30 years. That's what I had in my life the first one died with cancer the one I just they were 30 years she died with cancer too both my wife died with cancer I said Lord why is this happening to me you know but I guess God got a reason for everything you know so I just kept on going and here I am I went to church I met uh, Michael Page I say about four years ago With the church loved the church But it was just something about it. I just didn't feel right. I ain't had no job. I'm working, cutting, getting, leaves, making all the money, paying my tithes in church like everybody else. So I goes up to speak to them. By the time I get to them, it's about 25 or 30 people around them. I couldn't get to them. I said, Why is this happening to me? so one day at the church I went to his office and I just told I said I just don't feel right at this church I can't get to you I can't talk to you and he knew I was having a problem trying to at the time find somewhere to stay but I happened to go back home to my mother cause what he was telling me it didn't happen then I met Wade Wade along with this church he said "Kitty." all. And what took me, said, I need some help. So I came there, and started helping. I've been here, I love everybody here. I can tell you that, I got a good heart I love everybody here. And, like right now, I'm having a problem with work. Um, if any of y'all need your loans cut, paint, anything, I just get a check with anybody here. And I will do, I helped one guy here, and um, he was selling his house. And I did so good at work, I thought I was going to work five hours, but I ended up working for 12 hours. <laughs> I was happy. I was happy about that. Because he paid me good, and I'm just asking anybody else to belong in this church, if you have any work. I cooked, too. I cooked at Central Homecoming, North Carolina Central Homecoming, twice. And I cooked all day, and I loved it. They won the game, homecoming, and I love to cook. I love to work outside, so... That's all i got to say. As long as your church is here, I'm going to be here. I ain't going nowhere. I love it. I love working around y'all and
8: I'll always be around. Well, We love you too, Kenneth. We appreciate all the work that you do. Um, as Kenneth was just saying, if you have work that you need done around the house, if you have ribs or chicken or oh, deer or all of the things that I've heard you talk about cooking, any of that that needs to be cooked, especially on a grill, it. Kenneth is your man for that as well. So, uh Again, thank you so much for all that you do. And uh, the Antioch Baptist Church uh, sort of ABC program is is one of the ways that we were able to get connected uh, with Kenneth. And there's some information about that um, on the bulletin. I I think now we'd like to pray sort of over all of our partnerships. And,
2: Dan, are you going to lead us into that? Thank you. Hey everybody! I, know, I realize that we're going a, a bit long, so stick with us just about five more minutes, and, and we will be headed out. But we're going to, we do want to take a minute to pray for all of our missional partnerships. We're going to do some prayers. To the, uh, we were going to do some prayers to the people, but I think we'll hold that for next week. Um, but right now, what I want to give us is a chance to pray. Uh, we'll do that kind of silently, going through each of our missional partnerships, and then we'll conclude with a benediction. So, uh, join me now in prayer, uh, if you would, at this time. Let's pray for Kenneth. For him, for his search for job, uh, and for ABC and our connection with Antioch Builds Community. God, we do indeed thank you for Kenneth uh, and for what he means to this community. Let's pray now for church world service for all those that are refugees in our community that they would find homes. Let's now also pray for Reality Ministries, for the wonderful work that they have going on here, for continued service there. Let's pray also now for the recreation, renewal of Africa Rising, many things that Jim has before him and the board has there. Finally, let us all also pray for uh, Durham-CAN, the work that goes on in this community. God, we do indeed thank you uh, that first and foremost that you are a God who is on the move, that you are a God who initiates mission so that we might participate in it. Uh, grant us now grace as we go out of here to be people who see the world differently because of the work that you did in Christ and the work that you are doing through your spirit and through the body of Christ, which is this church. Grant all these things that we ask in your son's name. Amen. As you leave, also, I noticed that as we were eating, a lot of you did not make your way to the communion table. Please feel invited to join in the Eucharist on your way out. Uh, May that grace instilled in you through that celebration of the table be grace for you throughout the week so that in your missional work, God's grace is found in you, and that you find God's grace where you are. Amen.